The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Fix my glasses here first. I've got to tell you about my glasses. About a year and a half ago, I went to the DNV to renew my license. And I was stunned when I found out that I couldn't read the chart that they put in front of you and they wouldn't give me my license because I, I failed the test. <laughs> and they sent me to the eye doctor to, uh, to get glasses. And uh, you know you're in trouble when the doctor is lying to you right at your face. <laughs> she told me that I look really good with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> But then I came here and uh, Charlie Wagner told me that I look very smart and sophisticated with glasses. <laughs> it's, it's not true at all, not smart at all. Uh, sophisticated, no, not at all. Most of you know that I was born in the South. And uh, <laughs> very poor back, back in the South. And, uh, very uh, not sophisticated that to the point that we used to eat our pets every now and then <laughs> that is not sophisticated at all <laughs> but that's just the way it was back then so what are you going to do anyhow it's good to be back uh, I was a mess last time I was here but it's a good thing that you don't remember anything so it's, it's good and I'm not going to tell you what happened so since that time I learned that you're not supposed to fall apart when you're trying to preach a sermon. Uh, but it's difficult, you know. I've I seen good pastors break down when they're trying to deliver a sermon simply because their conviction gets the best of them and, and they just can't help themselves. And then, uh, so that happens. But then uh, I also learned that people who go to church suffer from what is called SLS, that is Sermon Leakage Syndrome. People, from the time they get up from the chair and make it to the door, the whole thing leaks out. <laughs> and they usually say to the pastor, you know, that was a good sermon, but the pastor never asks, which part of the sermon did you like? Which is good, because if, if, if it did, they would be scratching their heads, you know. But we have solved that problem, you know. That's just why we have good people like Bob and Steve that always make sure that everything we say from here is recorded. And then we have Brian Peter. I know where Brian is, but he's always making sure that the website is working the way it should. And then Randy over there always putting the sermons on the podcast. I don't know how these things work, but I know they work because every time I want to hear a sermon, it's always there. So I have no clue how it works. And we thank the Lord for these people, you know, because without them, I don't know how we'll be able to broadcast what we do here to the world out there. But so if you forgot what the sermon was all about, all you have to do is go to the website. If you have a computer or what I call a demonic electronic device, you can listen on that thing anywhere you are. And it's there. I'm sure it's there. And again, we thank the Lord for these people. Um, take your Bibles to Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. I know that in your outline it says to... 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 14, but it's actually 2, 
1 through 4. We're only going to read four verses today. And when you find it, if you find it before I do, please stand. Second Timothy 2, verse 1 through 4. That therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let us pray. Father in heaven, what a wonderful privilege it is to be able to stand here before you people and, and preach your word. Father, it's, it's an amazing privilege to, to be able to do this. I pray, Lord, I will bless you people here. Thank you for giving us a wonderful place to worship. Pray for our pastor, our seas away. Pray that you will bring it back to us safe and sound. Most of all, Lord, we pray, I pray that everything we do here today will be to glorify your name. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, the context of Second Timothy is suffering. Without a doubt, Paul is here at the end of his life, and he's encouraging Timothy to be strong, to be brave as an evangelist. Being involved in ministry is, is a very difficult job. A lot of people don't realize how hard it is, and, and I don't know how pastors do it. It's a very demanding and a very difficult, difficult place to be in. And discouraging sometimes. But we do it because the souls of people are on the line. You know, I, I had a conversation with Larry Jefferson one time, and he told me that when you decide to get involved in ministry in, the, in, in your local church, you receive two blessings, two blessings immediately, one from the Lord and one from Satan. And he never told me what he meant by that, but I learned quickly that it's true. When you're trying to, to, to get involved in, in, in ministry and reaching people for the Lord, doing something for your church, it's a blessing because you're working on something that's going to last a long time. It's going to last forever. But there's always something or someone trying to destroy what you're trying to build. So that is, that is, is very discouraging at times. Many Christians are unaware of what is going on in the church that they attend, and that is because they don't want to get involved. And this is the reason why sometimes, like I said, it's, it's, it's difficult. But dealing with opposition in the, in the churches is not a new problem. It's always been like this. There's always a small minority of people who want to carry on this work. And so it, it is a blessing. And so... It takes an army of people, really, an army of believers to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ keeps going out. I have titled this sermon, What is a Good Soldier? For those of you who have served, you know that it all begins with obedience. From the time you get off the bus going into basic training, or boot camp we call it, you know that it's a good idea to obey. Because if you don't, you're in for a rough ride for whatever time you're going to be in there. Or if you decide to make that a career, you're going to be there until, until you retire. In our case here, when we signed up in the army of our Lord, we made a lifetime commitment. And we don't quit. 
We just don't quit. You can't quit. You can't afford to quit. You know? We're going to be doing this until the day we take our last breath. We have to. We must. True Christians never quit. No, no, no matter what the world throws at them, they just don't quit because a true Christian is the one that they can endure all the things that this world will throw at them. So we're going to be doing this until the day we take our last breath. No army has any useless uh, soldiers. You know, in the army, everyone, everyone works. Everybody contributes something to the army. And the same thing with the church. Every member in the church can do something for his or her church. There's always a place where you can work. Another thing that armies don't tolerate is soldiers that don't obey. Soldiers that don't obey, they get kicked out of the army quickly, fairly quickly. And so some people can do a little, and some people can do a lot. Some have great capabilities and some have very little, but everybody can do something. The problem is that many Christians behave like soldiers for Jesus Christ two hours on Sundays. And the rest of the week, it appears like they're working for the enemy. And this is what makes it so difficult to witness out there because you run into people who have seen, have heard Christians or people who call themselves Christians, and they don't show the evidence of what a true Christian is all about. So the first thing they tell you is that we're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites which is true, and I always tell those people, you know, with all this room in our church for one more, come on in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's true, you know. But, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to follow the leader, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Hebrews 2.10 reads, For he became here for whom are all things, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. Through suffering. The Lord here is given a wonderful title. He is the captain of our salvation. Believe it or not, God has a chain of command, just like an army does. You know, and we are supposed to follow his orders. You know, you have an, a sorry army when you get a bunch of soldiers arguing about the orders that have been handed down by whoever is in charge. That's a problem. The pastor, in, in this case is the drill instructor, you know. The drill, drill instructors push the soldiers to the maximum capacity, and that is because he wants to get results. We're trying to get the most out of soldiers and prepare them mentally and physically so when they get out there to a war zone, they'll know what to do. But, you know, it's very difficult to train people for the Lord where they don't show up for basic training. This is a training facility for those who really want to grow in the Lord. We have a wonderful pastor, a man who really loves the Word of God, and he loves to teach. But if you're not available or teachable, it makes it very difficult to do it. We are losing our country, you know. Very quickly, we're losing our country because the Christian community refuses to take a stand and proclaim the gospel of Christ. That is, that is a fact. You know, sometimes soldiers are called to endure extreme hardships. Sometimes they have to be away from home, away from family and friends. They have to be exposed to the rain, cold, hot weather, all those things. But if they hope to, to make it, they have to support each other, just like the church is supposed to help, help each other out, support each other. 
work as one unit. That's what we're supposed to be doing here, work together as a unit. Have one purpose in mind. Put on aside anything and everything that will get in the way to accomplish that mission. And that mission is to reach people for the Lord. We should be busy doing that. Understanding that if you are a Christian, you are a chosen soldier, and you will, should be, the will of your commander. Whatever it is that we do now, we should be doing it for the glory of God. You know, whether it's a work on the streets, a school for those uh, young people that go to school, you should be a good example for those who don't know the Lord. You know, you can tell who you are. Every time you say something, you, you, you're preaching. With your speech, you're telling the world who you are. Uh, our job should be to declare the, the, to the world the Lord Jesus Christ without fear and without being ashamed because that's a problem. A lot of people are just fear. The fear gets the best of them. They're just ashamed. I don't know what it is, but it is, some people feel ashamed to do that. And here's another problem. The soldiers in the army of the Lord are either afraid or they have joined the enemy. Sometimes you see that, you know, people that claim to be Christians. But every now and then, you know, with technology nowadays, nothing is hiding. You can find out all kinds of things. You find out things about from people sometimes, you know, which is, is sad. But far too many people don't have the courage to witness, which is sad. But I always say that if, if you can go back in time and you remember the day, the moment where you were convicted of your sins, and if you know that you were on your way to hell and now you are not, you should be able to tell somebody about their lost condition. There's no way that you can keep this to yourself. And here's the good part about it. Most people will thank you for it. It's very rare that you'll find somebody who gets very angry at you because you're trying to tell them about the Lord. There's no better way to tell someone that you care when you tell them that you don't want them to go to hell. Most people will thank you when you do that. If you spend five minutes with a stranger, you should find a way to say something about the Bible. The problem is that we are afraid that people will get offended when we say something like that. You know, we, we, we just don't want them to get mad. The way I see it, it's better for them to be mad at me for a little while. Because if you keep if you beg, I mean, not begging, but pestering these people, eventually some people get it and they, and they, and they come to Christ. But it takes a while sometimes, you know. Whether we are willing to admit it or not, we are in a spiritual war, war and it looks to me like we are allowing the enemy to, to claim more and more territory every day. I do a lot of driving around the Bay Area, and I see some wicked things out there that I always wonder, Lord, let me have this city. Let me have that town, you know, because it's just crazy. But it's very difficult to, to get Christians to see the value of our salvation, for those of us who got saved a little late in life, it seems to me like we appreciate it more than those people who grew up in church. If you have never spent time swimming in the sewer, you have no idea what it's like to be saved. I'm telling you, it's, it's extremely, you'll be extremely grateful if, if you've been there. I wonder sometimes why it is that people who grew up in church reading the Bible exposed to great preaching, because our pastor does some great preaching here, uh, claiming to know the Lord, they show very little interest in getting involved in doing something for the Lord. And that's not the attitude of a good soldier of, of Jesus Christ. 
You know, we're supposed to be always training. If you are in the army of the Lord, you should always be training. Always ready without whining. <laughs> That's one of those things that we get a lot of whiners, you know. It's so always whining about something. You know, there is no country in the world like the USA, and we have absolutely nothing to whine about here. Uh, and so, you cannot do what we do, serve the Lord, witness, um, get out there on a rainy day or a hot day, get off the couch, put down your cell phone and go pace the street, tell somebody about the Lord. But you can't do this if you get discouraged every time somebody turns you down. You just cannot do it. It's no accident that when the Lord recruited his first four guys, they were fishermen, professional fishermen. You have never met a group of tough guys like professional fishermen. They are rough people, extremely rough, and they can take anything. Full-time soldiers stand out. That's another thing. If you ever visit a military base, you can tell who is a civilian and who is a soldier. You can tell by the way they dress. They all have their uniform on. You know. It's difficult to understand sometimes when we see people coming to church looking like they go into a nightclub. You know, how do, how do we tell the world we're not part of the world system when we dress like them? My thing is, I say that if, you, if the Lord has blessed you with a beautiful body, cover it. It belongs to the Lord and nobody should have to see it. And then for the rest of us who haven't been blessed with much, don't have much to show, cover it. We have even more reasons to cover it. <laughs> you can The Bible compares itself to a sword, a double-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12 reads, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joint and marrow of, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. One of the reasons why people hate the Bible is because the Bible tells you who you are. And if you're not saved, the Bible has nothing good to say about you. It tells you that you're, you, you're worthless, that you're good for nothing, and deserve in a hellfire. That's what the Bible says about people who are unsaved. And that's why they hate it, because it's like a mirror, and it tells you that you're filthy. And people don't like that. But it's the way it is. So Hebrews 4.12 is, is, a, great, is a great verse. Now, I want, I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament. It's a great story. It's a little messy. But um, one of the weapons that the Roman soldiers used or carried with them was a short, but about 18 inches long. But I don't think it was invented by the Romans because way back in the book of uh, Judges, we find a man using a short, two-edged sword. This story is, is a little messy and graphic, but it's good. I like it. So... Take your Bibles to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 3. The theme of the book of Judges is the rise and fall, rise and fall of the Jewish people. After the death of Joshua, they did evil again and again by going into idolatry. And God allowed their enemies to afflict them. But every time they cried out to God, he will send them a deliverer. And the Bible calls these people judges. While the judge was alive... They, good, they did good, but when, they, when the judge died, they did evil again. And this went on for a long, long time. Acts 13.20 tells us that 
God gave them judges for the space of about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Uh, that verse right there requires a very lengthy explanation because different people have different things to say about it, so we're not going to camp on that. But moving on, uh, Judges chapter 3, verse uh, 12 to 23. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. Those who don't know, the city of palm trees is Jericho. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, king of Moab. But Ehud made, made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he girded it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. Nice. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out. And Ehud came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlor which he had for himself alone. And Ehud, Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand on his, his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade, and the fat closed upon the blade, so that, could he, that, could, that he could not draw it out, draw the dagger out of his belly, and the dirt came out. Nasty. You know, God can be graphic sometimes and very specific. This right here is very graphic and very specific. 23. Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked, it, locked them. Read the rest of the story. It's a good story. You know, this is one of the reasons why I really like the Bible. Because <laughs> I have no diplomatic abilities. I like to say it like it is. And the Lord and the prophets never used diplomatic language to, to describe their enemies. It was always plain and the way it should be. So this is one of the reasons why I really like the Bible. The Bible says that Eglon was fat. This guy was in circular challenge. He was just fat. You know. Eglon was, not, was it's no different than your typical politician of today in the Hollywood crowd. Just arrogant and fat. When I was studying for this, I went back to the election process that lasted about a year, almost a year. You know, all these clowns that were fighting for the position in the White House, they're all extremely wealthy, wealthy people. They're thirsty and hungry for power and more money. So I ran a few things in here. The people running our government agencies are very fat. Not physically, but economically. Few of them are both fat economically and physically. 
They're always making promises on how they're going to help the little guy. But all we get is more taxes and more regulations. And I'm sick of that. Okay? And the only ones who benefit is them, not the little people. Next, let's look at the, at the uh, Hollywood, the entertainment people. Okay? The entertainment industry is almost, almost every one of them is a little crazy, half crazy, or completely crazy. You look at these people, what they do is just insane. And you know, how can somebody follow these people? They're just, they're nuts. Okay? And yes, they're very fat economically, and some of them are physically fat also. You know? And they are fat at the expense of everyone who watches their movies or buys their songs. That's how they get fat. Okay? They are the moving force in everything that comes through the TV set 24 hours a day. Nothing but garbage. Garbage. So I get angry at watching TV. So my wife tells me, don't watch TV. It's not good for you. So I don't watch. Because <laughs> I don't like what I hear or what I see. You know, it's hard for Christians to find something good to watch in TV nowadays. It's, it, there's nothing good there. It's all junk. But the only reason why these people are fat, wealthy, is because there's always people out there who enjoy entertaining themselves with junk. That's why. There's no other reason. Look at the music industry. They're captivating our children, our young people. They have no clue what they're singing. They have no idea. It's all junk. In their music, they degrade men, women, children. They promote drugs, sex, and violence. That's what they do. And the Christian community is supposed to take it. Well, I, I'm a rebel, and I don't take it. You know, every, almost every movie, just about every movie out there right now, nowadays, has to have a homosexual or a lesbian. And that is because they have to accommodate everybody. In order to accommodate everybody, they have to do that. And the crowd in Hollywood has to, they, they expect us to go and, and view what they produce. And yes, everyone who watches one of their movies or buys one of their songs is contributing to making them fat. So I don't watch, I don't watch the movies, I don't buy their music. Stay away from it. For those of us with young children, this is, a, this is a real fight. This is a struggle, an everyday struggle, because it's time-consuming. You have to be constantly on your children, making sure that what they're watching and what they're listening is the right stuff. And with all the technology that is literally at your fingertips, there's not much you can do about it, you know, unless you block it, but then... You kind of need it, so I, I don't know how you do it. You know, we, we try to stay on top of things, but even that is, is extremely hard. The thing that makes it so difficult is that it's, it's frustrating to know that we're living in a culture that has no moral values and no compassion. They'll kill you on the streets and watch you, and they, they just laugh at you. You know, I see it on the street, street fights. Nobody gets involved. It's It's sad. And the people that are paying the, high, the highest prices are young people. Young, young people are, are paying a very high price. If you look at the uh, suicide rate among teenagers, it's extremely high. 
And I'm not saying that just the music is responsible for that, but there's a, it's a number of factors that, that can be put into that. But it's, they're paying a high price. We're not doing a good job of reaching our young people with the gospel of Christ. If, if we did that, we would be in this mess. They're polluting their minds with what they watch and what they listen, and that pollution shows in the way they talk. You know, young people, unsaved young people, cannot talk without using profanity. Every other word that comes out of their mouth is filthy. That's how they talk. But because they are exposed to this garbage day in and day out, 24 hours a day, everywhere at all times, that's all they know. To them, it's no big deal to use foul language everywhere you go. I find myself rebuking young people on... <laughs> theme parks, because I love theme parks, and we go to Six Flags or whatever. I'm always, hey, shut up, don't say that, stuff like that. You know, one of these days, they're going to punch me in the kisser, but, you know, was, I don't know. It's hard. Let's go back to the, to the story of uh, King Eglon here. In Judges 16, the Bible says that he would use a, uh, um, a short dagger, which had two edges, and was one cubit in length. That is about 18 inches. That was the size of the sword that the Roman soldier carried with him. You know, one of the problems with a short sword is that you can't swing it. It's not a good sword to swing, but you can, you can really thrust people with it. You know, you can stick them with it, which is good. So you know what we need to do? Stick them. Stick them. Stick them with the sword. Use the Bible. Don't let them get away. Give them something that will make them feel uncomfortable. Every time, you, every time you are around an unsafe person that they know you, they should feel uncomfortable. I do that at work, and I enjoy it. Every time they see me coming, if they're playing their garbage music, I don't turn off the radio. I just unplug it. I make it loud, make sure that, that I'm there, and they know it. So <laughs> make a statement. God has given us a, a weapon that is extremely powerful, very effective. When the Bible gets a hold of a person, it will pierce the heart and soul of that person, and you will see the evidence of what has taken place. The question is, do we know how to use it? When Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, it's very possible that he had been studying the Roman soldier. He spent a lot of time with them, so he, he had to be familiar with their behavior and their weapon. You know, in these four verses, Paul begins by telling us to stand when we fight. Obviously, you, you don't fight laying down, right? So, and then he goes on to describe the weapons that we're supposed to use to be successful in our Christian life. It's interesting that he uses the armor of the Roman soldier to tell us how to defend ourselves from the spiritual world that we are constantly fighting. And he puts on in every piece a spiritual application to it. I found one. I came up with one application on how we can use the Bible. Every now and then, you'll hear somebody, when you're trying to, to witness to them, you'll find a rebel that tells you that the Bible was put together by a bunch of crazy people, a bunch of old men. When you hear that, don't argue with people. I, I learned that the hard way, so I used to argue with them. Not anymore. You've know, you, you got to find a way to get into these things. So don't argue with them. This is how I do it. Assuming that you're dealing with a man, you tell that man that he is half right. 
It's true, the Bible was, was put together by man. But God used those men. And give him this verse, Second Peter one twenty one. For the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Tell him this. Tell him that the Bible has been around a lot longer than he has. And the Bible has influenced more people than he has, and always in a positive way. Because when the Bible has an influence on a person, you'll see the change. You know, if a person drinks, he'll stop drinking. If, it, if they do drugs, they'll stop doing drugs. Everything changes when you get the Bible in your blood system. Tell him that the Bible is the only book that is sought out by billions of people, I mean millions of people around the world. And tell him that the Bible is the only book for which people are willing to give their lives to make sure that we put it in the hands of everyone who wish to be saved. Tell him that the Bible is the only book that shows you the way to the one that can save your soul. He's the only one that can forgive sins and he's the only one that can offer you eternal life. You can find about that in the Bible. Tell him that the Bible is the only best-selling book in every language around the world every year. And that is a fact. No book, no book can do that. Okay? Remind them that the Bible has always been under attack by unbelievers. Tell them that liberals have never been able to figure out what to do with it. Because it's so superior, the Bible is so superior that even the most intelligent person on the planet cannot get around it. Don't forget to tell him that it's true. The Bible was written by men, average men, sinful men. Many of them never met each other. The men who wrote the Bible wrote what they were told by the Holy Ghost. So in reality, the Bible was written by God, but he used men to do it. That's how it was done. Tell him that the Bible is put together in such a way that only God could have done it. There is no other way to explain it. Tell him that before he criticizes the Bible, he needs to do his own investigation and disprove it. And then tell him that God made up his mind long before the world was created. And tell him that his opinion makes no difference in the grand plan of God. They don't like to hear those things, but tell him that. Okay? Make sure to tell him that even though he hates God's word, Jesus died for him and salvation is available if he's willing to repent. Tell him that you will pray for him and walk away. Don't argue with him. Once you have done this, it doesn't matter how he reacts, you have used the Bible to stick him. You know? If he is interested in knowing more, tell him to go ahead and help himself. Do that, you know, just tell them. Listen, if we can't win these people, wound them. Don't let them get away. Use the Bible. The Bible is capable of defending itself. I don't know if you read the article this week. Pastor said that we need to defend the Bible. It's true. But the Bible itself is capable of defending itself once you read it. Because people who talk trash about the Bible have no idea what's in it. That's why they do it. You know? Proclaiming the Bible 
it's like walking around with a 600-pound lion. You know the lion has no enemies? If you ever walk around in the neighborhood with a 600-pound 600 600 lion, every kitty cat will run and find a way to hide, a place to hide. Because the lion will crush him. As a soldier, we should always be ready, prepared, and without fear. You know, every time you get a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon to stop you on the street, or if one of them has the nerve to come and knock on your door and try to give you their garbage, you should know what to do with it. You should know how to defend yourself with it. And tell them, I'm always sweet with them. I, I begin very gentle because I know that they're lost and on their way to hell, and they don't know that. But the second they turn on me, I try to find a way to get their tracks. Put a gun on their head, they give them all the tracks. No, don't do that. Find a way to get their tracks. They will, they, you tell them that you will help them, and they will hand you the tracks because they want, they want somebody to give out their tracks. And then begin by telling them. Give them the gospel, because they're lost and on their way to hell, and they don't know that. They have been deceived. And so, at least for me, I, I think that anybody who tries to endanger your soul deserves to be discouraged. Do whatever it takes to discourage these people and give them the gospel. And then we have the liberals. You know, we can't let, get the liberals, let, the, let the liberals get away. Don't be afraid of the liberals. Use the sword. Stick it on their side and twist it a little bit. You know, liberals have the wrong impression about Jesus Christ. They, they think that Jesus is only love and nothing else. They have never read the Bible. That's why they talk like that. They think that Jesus and the, and the prophets were always sweet and kind to everybody. Have you ever read Matthew 23? Jesus uses extremely harsh language. To humiliate those people. People that, you know, we would probably never use language like that, but Jesus did, you know. The lowly Jesus humiliated the scribes and the Pharisees, the big shots. And the loving Jesus is the one who said to them in Matthew 23, 33, he said, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? That's not sweet. And then when you read the gospel, pay attention as you read the gospels and see how many times Jesus mocks the scribes and the Pharisees. He, he does it every time. And he does it with the Bible, with the word of God. You know, in Matthew 21, 42, he quotes and he says, Did you never read the scriptures? Like saying that you're ignorant, you don't know what you're saying. You know, Mark 12, 27 Ye therefore do greatly err. That means you have no idea. And then uh, John seventeen nineteen, where he says, uh, where am I here? Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? These are the people that were supposed to know what they were talking about, had no clue. See, the liberals remind me of the scribes and the Pharisees. They are wrong in, every, in just about everything they do and say, and they will stop at nothing until they accomplish what they want. Then one day they'll get it, because they're going to get it, because it seems like we're giving them more and more every day. They're going to get it. But we don't have to be afraid of them. You know, declare the gospel of Christ to our unsafe friends and family members. They're not afraid. The liberals are not afraid. 
and they have no shame. They parade on the streets, all their filthy and immoral, shameful lifestyles, and they're not afraid. They want you to, they want you to see it, and they're proud of it. They hate our Bibles. They hate Christianity. And that's because we stand in their way, and as long as God will keep us here on this earth, we're going to be a, a thorn on their side. And so they're going to hate you even more. Finally, the Lord is going to reward every, every Christian for our efforts. Every soldier receives a medal or a promotion when he, when he does something that is above and beyond of what is considered normal soldiering. No one will give you more for your efforts than the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one is more deserving than him. You don't have to be an average Christian. When no one puts limitations on you, you can go as deep as you want, as far as you want. No one can, t- no one can stop you from learning all there is to know about God. No one. So if you, know, if you don't know anything about the Bible or anything about the Lord, because you don't want to know. But everyone in the USA has access to the Bible. And we can all we can all learn something. Um, I have plans already, big plans. Everything that I want to accomplish, I'm not I'm not going to be able to do it in my lifetime here. But I already made plans. There are many things that I would like to fix, but I can't. One of them is because I'm down with a sack of rocks. The other is because if I could do it, it will satisfy me. It will give me great satisfaction in doing it, but that would be the wrong motive because my desire should be to glorify the Lord, hate what he hates, and love what he loves. That's what I should be doing. So I need to concentrate for now in telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we're going to rule this world with Jesus Christ for 1,000 years before we go into eternity. In order to do it, God himself is going to equip you and me so we can do it perfectly and do it right. He's going to give you all the wisdom and knowledge that we need to do it. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.3 says that we are going to judge angels. I don't know about you, but that's a big deal. I don't know how you spank an angel, but somehow we're going to do it in the future, I guess. I have no idea, but I'm waiting for that day. For now, we have to behave. We have to tell people that Jesus came the first time to save sinners. But he's coming back again. He's going to judge this world. Sinners are going to pay a price. The Lord is not going to allow sin to go on forever. One of these days, he's going to lower the boom. And uh, it's going to be a horrible thing. Our responsibility is to carry out the Great Commission. And that requires an army of believers to go out there without fear, expecting opposition, like soldiers going into a war zone. Keep it in mind that it's God himself who does the saving. All we have to do is carry out the message. Just tell people. That's all we have to do. In the end, we are going to win. The Lord will not allow sin to go on forever. For now, our struggle is difficult because we're not only fighting Satan and the world system, but we're fighting daily our sinful flesh. And it's going to be that way until the day we take our last breath. But giving up is not an option. We can't do that. And that's all I got. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this, this great privilege to preach your word. Father, I pray that if there is someone here who doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that today would be that day when they begin the new life. 
Father, I pray for this church and the people that work hard to make sure that your work is carried out. Father, I pray for for Gary, Lord, and his dedication to, to lead. Pray for our pastor. Pray that you will continue to bless him, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to be diligent in studying and carrying out your work. We ask on this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.